the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, USA Today's NFL Wire site covering the Arizona Cardinals. With me is my co-host, Seth Cox, from AvengeOfTheBirds.com, the SB Nation Arizona Cardinals site, and we are a week into training camp for the Arizona Cardinals. This is episode 448, so we have some takeaways, and that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Um, Buda Baker got a new deal. Takeaways, um, what we've seen so far, and and just a little bit more of other types. Kyler Murray addressed the media directly for the first time uh, this offseason, so we've got a little bit of stuff to do. Uh, more shows that we're going to coming up, of course, but this is what we got in this one. Seth, how is everything going now that the in terms of our personal lives with the football work and the other work, it feels like the crap's hitting the fan, not necessarily a bad way, but in a good way because our kids are in school, work's busy, um, you're coaching, uh, yeah, it's just, and, and football is back for the NFL, so content upon content upon content. Yeah, it's just busy, and it's uh, you know it's a fun time of year. But like you said, it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of you know long days and nights. And and but you know it's worth it. Something you know football for me especially like is something that <clears throat> is all consuming within my life you know whether it's it's being at my kids stuff or or writing about it or or coaching it or you know talking about it on here or on the original draft breakdown podcast right you know <laughs> so it's just it's just non-stop and it's a lot of fun and something i really enjoy so you know as, as long as the nights may be or as long as the days and nights are uh stuff like this makes it fun and and you know enjoyable to do and the college football season is coming upon us and so you will have some it, it will it's like pre 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 draft content coming up as as the college football season emerges but before that we've got cardinals in training camp they reported a week ago we did our we did our preview last week but the biggest news we we didn't talk about it late last week we didn't get back on to get a figure out kind of a schedule to do the multiple shows buda baker no longer asking for a trade he gets a slightly new contract it's not an extension and it's not a significant raise. It feels like this was just what they needed. And why didn't they do this a long time before now? If that's if this was the case, right? Yeah, that's a fair question. Um did I mean I don't always pay attention to the media scrums. Did anybody ask Monty that? I didn't I do not believe so. I do it's not believe so. It, it's always interesting because that feels like the the first question, right? Like, right. hey, why didn't you guys just take care of this in uh, right? Because uh, unless <laughs> unless it, it came down to, hey, they 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 tried back and forth, like, but this was like the bare minimum. Yeah, that is fair. Like, what if this was like last minute like hey i just want this guaranteed and they were like okay we'll do that so you know i thought you know you look at it and it's something that <clears throat> you and i have talked about it quite a bit um it's not that we were anti paying buddha we're we're always 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 on the side of players and getting paid um but what we were the question we were asking, and I thought it was a fair one, was, um, you know, at what value? What's the value? And if he was asking, and this was, you know, all hearsay and, and nothing that we, you know, um, nothing that actually was going on. Uh, if he was asking to become the highest paid player or highest paid safety in the NFL, then the answer was an easy no, right? Like, it was just like, oh, well, I guess it was fun having Buddha Baker. <laughs> well, and, and it sounds like from what Buddha said, uh, I didn't go back through and listen to the entire thing, is that Buddha really kept himself completely separate from his agent. He said, you handle it. 
And his yeah, agent and probably a- and his agent probably said, "Don't do anything voluntary." And it perhaps, perhaps, kind of like Kyler's agent caused problems, that it was his agent that was fishing for the big contract. When now I know through sources of sources, Buddha was not looking for a major raise. Now there is there's some element to this, and we we talked about it on this show is the fact that okay, if you're going to be in a bad team. You're going to go through another rebound, rebuild, then I either want to be compensated fairly, I want to be paid more, I get, commit to me financially, or trade me so where I can win. But I knew through some, some people who actually spoke to Buddha what Buddha was really looking for. He was looking for this year's guarantees. And what's crazy, yeah. what, what was so hard about that? Because we break down what the Cardinals gave him. $300,000 in a signing bonus. That's nothing for signing bonuses. That's that's the type of signing bonus they give like low-end free agents. They just guaranteed a salary this year now. And I, I, I've detailed why that wasn't necessarily necessary, but it's a good peace of mind for Buddha. There were protections in place already for Buddha when it came to that guaranteed salary because the Cardinals weren't going to do him dirty like that. There, there, were, there was no, there was honestly no scenario in which they would have cut him before the season to have him lose out on all that money that, that could it have happened yes there's no way that would have happened he gets right. and and that's just what felt silly about the whole thing and i get it that like you want the actual and, and this isn't just a bidwill thing like you want the actual verbiage on a contract that in case god forbid something i mean tim tim patrick was is that the kid um with the Broncos that, you know, fought back from an ACL injury and then blew his Achilles the other day. Like you, you want that because like you said, like, well, and even in that scenario, guess what? Buddha would have, because they would put him on injured reserve. Well, and that, and that's money. And that's my point. Like it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like they were going to do him dirty in any way. Yeah. Right. Like, like that would have just, especially because, it's a new regime like they they probably weren't going to be like oh buddha you know we'll let them clear injury waivers and then do a waived injury you know or clear waivers or whatever it is and then you know so i don't know it just it felt weird from both sides that yeah it that it's happening but to your point, you know, I've said it a hundred times. That's David Mulligetta or Mulligetta <laughs> or how do you say it? That's just his MO. But we're also seeing now, and and it's funny that people got on Kyler and Kyler because Kyler was the same way. Like Kyler had nothing to do with any of it. Like he was, you know, in the background and, and working out and doing his stuff. Um, that this is kind of the new way that things are happening. We're seeing it with Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, we saw, we saw it obviously with Lamar Jackson, although he didn't have an agent, <laughs> you know, he was doing it himself. Um, you know, we saw it with Deandre Hopkins. It, it's just, this is the new NFL things that usually, or used to be private, even three or four years ago are now, messy and the 49ers are dealing with it right now with nick bosa right like uh the colts are dealing with it right now with jonathan taylor like these things that used to be like oh no big deal that's not happening anymore and so it's just it's just sad that and i think you and i are have been around enough have heard about the hold-ins with players and heard about you know all this stuff that was happening that maybe wasn't as publicized before um, that we're kind of numb to it, that the whole Buddha thing for us the whole time was kind of like from both scenarios, both sides of it, we were kind of like, I don't really understand what's the big deal. Like, I don't understand what's going on. Like the Cardinals aren't going to screw you and not compensate you if you get injured during off season workouts or, you know, team participated 
offseason workouts or training camp. Um, and then at the same point, you're like, why aren't you just guaranteeing his salary for this? Right, year if that's right. All he, I, like, I know there's the element of the whole escrow thing, and that that's a stupid thing. But ultimately, like they didn't give him a raise. He didn't get a raise. He got this year's salary guaranteed. His salary next year doesn't change. He gets three hundred thousand to sign. He gets four hundred thousand a workout pro, basically incenting him to be part of the off off season program next year, kind of like what they've done did with Kyler. Um, then they. He can get a five hundred thousand bonus each year by being named an All Pro or to the Pro Bowl. You know he's been to the Pro Bowl each of the last four years. So and there's there's playing time in sense. So there's per game roster bonuses both years. Basically, um, he gets he gets seven hundred thousand dollars in new money um, just because he gets the signing bonus and and the workout bonus for next off season and. Then you get another million possible in in Pro Bowl slash um, All Pro n- nominations or, or selections, and then you get the the games played, the per game active thing. There's, I mean, nothing there, but but it gives Buddha more money. It guaranteed him, and now he's happy. This just feels like, and and again, it just feels like sometimes, and we don't know Monty yet, so you know we can't get on Monty too much, but it just feels like sometimes that um, they try to do stuff in the way of like, oh, well, we're just not going to deal or do that right now, right? Like, oh, we're just not going to we're not going to do the Like last year's Kyler, they just didn't want (laughs) they didn't want to do it that early. Right. Kyle was like, no, we don't want to set precedent for for quarterback deal that early but if you're gonna get do the deal anyway why didn't matter when i know and it's just such a thing i I don't know sometimes it just feels like i mean and as as married guys and as 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 fathers with with multiple kids sometimes it's that thing of like there's just that stubbornness right of like Oh well, they told me to do it, so I'm gonna do it. But I'm gonna do it when I want to, <laughs> not when they ask me to. Oh, and you're like, you're like, really? We just can't like get this. Okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> but it's it's good. It, it, it locks them up. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's year, over and done with. Now, it's so. done with. Um, now we'll see about next year. And, and, and you know, for the Cardinals side, this was a no-brainer. Like, it didn't make any sense to wait on this because you didn't want to commit to anyone that long term, especially at that position. You 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 just invested a little bit now to back up. And mind you, this was super important because it's to also to back up the words that they had about Buda Baker all off season. If they're going to say how Buddha is like the epitome one that like if this has been over and over and over again, multiple coaches, Monty Austin Fort, you can't be that glowing about a player who is unhappy about his contract and then not take care of him in some way, because then that comes, right. then, then it comes across as lip service. Like you're saying this, but you don't believe it because you're not taking care of me. Cause that's, that's really the nice words are nice. But when it comes down to the NFL, the only thing that really matters is the financial compensation because guess what if the because contracts are non-guaranteed for the most part like the second you are not worth exactly that you're gone is how that works unless unless you have the leverage in that situation and now he's got guarantees and and maybe we're going to have this conversation again next off season but we'll, we'll wait and see we'll have to wait and see with that but it, it just seems like it just seemed like a whole lot to do about nothing that we always knew was going to result in where being where we're at and just took longer and more articles than needed to be written to get there coming up next on the rise of Red podcast mr carl's talking with us talk about our early standouts and takeaways from training camp after a week that's coming up next on rise of Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast. The best of our Cardinals talk on the web. Well, we previewed training camp. Now we have a week of practices. Uh, the pads came on on Tuesday, so they had, you know, they had Wednesday through Saturday this last week. Um, no pads. That was the the ramping up period. They could have put pads on on Monday after a day off. They chose to do a slower paced one 
without pads to then lead them up to the full contact and ramped up juice on Tuesday. You know, I was at training camp on Saturday. I'll be there again this Saturday. The just the 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 schedule that I now have that that I've had for the last ten years at med, my first job. I used to be able to go to more, but I'm unable to. And I wish there were a. It feels like each year the information that comes out of camp from observation is less and less or a less meaning. Like I, when I go, like to see the playing rotations, who's getting the snaps and things like that, as opposed to standout plays. Because I know that Cardinals on Cardinals, a big play or a bad play could be contributed on either way. And so I don't know what to think. It's it just so, it just makes it really difficult because you're like, wait. <laughs> remember Brandon Williams? Remember Brandon right. Williams? He was a stud and he was terrible. I, I will say kind of the one thing that that I – that was surprising for me was that the the cornerback rotation has been this everyone expected marco wilson but are basically the number two and number three corners have been the rookie keytrail clark the fifth round pick uh out of louisville sixth round pick fifth round pick and then and then christian matthew that's for me that's been oh oh because matthew who was a guy drafted not by this regime not this front office, not this coaching staff, and he's the one that's out there. So that, that for me, and while some people, they, one of my buddies was texting me, I thought I saw Matthew got cooked. I'm like, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't care that much about that based on what I've seen, because it could be for a number of things. But the fact that they, that Matthew and Clark, and and we're getting to see it based on, we're not getting a lot of insight about what Jonathan Gannon thinks about individual players, but we can see. There's one player that he really has really, you can tell that he likes, and that's Keytrail Clark, based on things he said. Everything else, he tries to keep it pretty vanilla. He can't help it with Clark. Yeah, and I think there's two guys right now that have more than anyone really kind of stood out from a positive perspective. And you've, and, and, you know, it, we can talk about everybody. I mean, honestly, we always can, but like Greg Dorch has again, lived up to the hype and, and looks like a guy that deserves to be getting a ton of playing time. But I tell you what, I, you know, we said this from the time they drafted him, and I don't know if it's going to change anytime soon. Michael Wilson is a guy that, just is different than every single receiver they have on the roster. And sometimes from a perspective, that is a a good thing in their opportunities. But in this case, it's a good thing in that this dude is just, he just is... Like he loves to play. Like he loves to he loves to be physical. He loves to get out there and compete. And he's got a little nasty to him. He's not, you know, he's not the um he's not the trash talk of like a, a like a Tyreek Hill, but he is very much a guy that isn't afraid to let you know that he beat you or that that he made a play over you. And I think, you know, with with the undersized guys that this team has, that's a really nice change up and fit for this this roster. And and it's something I'm gonna be, you know, really interested to keep an eye on. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um I've been I've been interest I've been very intrigued by the fact or that the of all the stuff that they move around the one unit that's been the same all through tra- all through training camp so far through like the last two weeks of the offseason program is they have remained with the same five first team linemen which makes it all it does is suggest that their starting line they're pretty set on um, where you've got DJ Elijah Wilkinson, Yelda Fruholt, 
Will Hernandez, Paris Johnson. I there's I think there's one caveat that I think Froholtz spot I believe is the only one that has any sort of question as to maybe he won't. Did I did I see correctly that John Gaines was getting some snaps in the other day as well? Uh, I did not see him with first team, but I he was Gaines was the number two setter. Gaines has no, been number two setter. Uh, yeah, yeah. I should have. Sorry, let me clarify. Uh, he was getting snaps in while uh, with McCoy on the side, like so not while they were doing warm. Yeah. So, so I don't Gaines, know if Gaines has been their number two. So that has been the second okay. team center. And so then, he just gets he gets some work in that way. Sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I so, just saw it, I saw it on the Twitter the other day or the X I guess we call it now. Uh, <laughs> I don't call it that. I still call it Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I saw that the other day and I was like, huh, I wonder if it like, and so that's the thing. And then, you know, we talked about the sign Pat, Pat Elfline. I feel like he is exactly what we talked about. Like he is the, he's like, all right, Froholt and Gaines aren't ready. All right, Elfline, you're in. Yeah, well, and it is interesting because the contract suggests that because it is, it's a league minimum deal. He got a really small signing bonus and then he gets a sign, he gets a roster bonus for, making the roster and so they're a guy that he looks like a guy like okay if we need him just in case yeah and i think like you said the the fact that the offensive line has been the same it's something we've talked about before like obviously if there's a a key glaring struggling player you make the move you, you make the change but this early and especially at this juncture so much of it is based on continuity and getting to know each other and and the little idiosyncrasies i mean i can tell you just from like a a youth football perspective and a high school football perspective like you would rather have five guys that love each other trust each other and work very well together and for each other then you would have five guys that are just like like unless they're just like all trent williams level all pro type of guys like you need guys that that fight for each other and that trust each other and sometimes that outdoes the like oh well you know and, and i'm not picking on anybody but like oh josh jones is probably more skilled than you know uh is it Elijah Wilkinson at left guard right now? Sorry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, Josh Jones is more skilled than Elijah Wilkinson, but like Humphreys and, and Wilkinson and Froholt might have a better rapport with each other. They might, they might be more in, in sync and in tune with one another. And like, and so then that'll make up for the, you know, the, the shortcomings. And it's just something, you know, we even saw it, what, two years ago when Rodney Hudson was first, you know, and they're winning all these games. And those first four games before Rodney got hurt, like they just they looked fantastic. And then Rodney got hurt, and all of a sudden it just became this. <laughs> the wheels fell off. <laughs> it just became this thing. It was like there was no continuity. Then Justin gets hurt again, and then you know, and it just it just became a a normal type of thing. And so, yeah, it's just I mean, it's great to see. And then obviously the elephant in the room it's awesome that paris johnson's just part of it right like right and that's like that there's no question like he's been up there and and yes and and there was questions and so and and it's interesting because like he's clearly because it beecham's josh jones they're not getting any first team reps right and so you know he's the guy and and it's exciting to see that and, and be excited about it and stuff and so um you know, that's a good thing. I think, you know, other guys that have looked good, obviously, I, it feels like Isaiah Simmons is getting fit into that uh, that role, you know, as the kind of deep safety, which is odd, but that athleticism and the ability to be a big body back there and make plays on the ball will, you know, play well. Um, and I think, I think it's kind of crazy – what a veteran that knows a defense so well can do just seeing kaiser white 
not even like the plays he's making, but just getting guys in line and set up. It, like, it, isn't it? This is like Jordan Hicks that first year, right? Right, where they're just like, hey, this is what we're supposed to be doing. But and, Jordan and Hicks didn't know the defense. That's the crazy, crazy right. thing is when know, he came but, over. But that's just, I mean, that's just linebackers. It's something we always talk about with linebackers. Like, there's an innateness to the position that outside of, you know, playing playing quarterback that, like, you just can't, you know, that isn't doesn't go with all the other positions, and, and you can't train to do things. And, and, you know, and White being a guy that's obviously – played in Gannon and with Rallis, you know, it's just, it's interesting to see. It's just been, I'll say this too. And, and you know, I'm interested to get your opinion on it because we have not talked about it. Um, It's interesting the way they're running the camp because it seems like, and I know this is the plan, but it seems like, you know they they love going incredibly high tempo like today for instance and then really pulling the stick back the next day and letting the guys you know do everything and do everything that they did the day before just at you know half speed or or 25% speed and then so they're still getting the reps they're still getting the mental side of things and then they're doing you know and then on thursday again they rev it way back up there and they're like hey go you know again balls to the wall go run go run through a brick wall for me and just it's an int- because we haven't ever seen that before like we've never seen the throttling back and and like we've seen them take light days non-padded day, but like just the juxtaposition i'm interested like obviously we have no idea because it's the first camp but like <laughs> what are the what's do? <laughs> your, right but what's your like what is your feel like because it feels like and obviously it's first time you know first year coaches and and there's that bubbling excitement anyways but it just feels overly different in a it positive really way i don't oh, i don't want I, anybody to think i'm saying it negatively like it feels overly different in a positive way you know what it's it's allowing what it kind of is doing it's I, I don't know if this is like this in other training camps because the only training camps I've ever cared about have been the Cardinals is what you're guess what you're noticing so far there aren't veteran days off so far like Colt McCoy had a light day uh, and didn't throw the one day but they're not giving vets just days off and I think the way they're doing no, that even like is is so they they ramp it up. And they just bring it the, the intensity down, so everyone's getting the reps, and they're still mindful of body and health. And and I, right. I wonder if if this is how much of this is rooted in, in health science and in, in sports science and recovery with with their new football performance uh, department there, where you've got Buddy Morris there more for recovery. And then you've got all their other trainers and such, but and what this I and it creates that message because you know and with Bruce Arians like there or Cliff Kingsbury is that their veterans would be they would they would slow roll those guys, slow roll them, like Rodney Hudson barely practiced. I mean I know he was nursing a knee injury they're trying to get him through, but Fitz sometimes DJ didn't play every day, practice every day. But what we're seeing is everyone who is healthy is practicing every day and then just the, you know this way you're still mindful of the players bodies which i'm pretty sure the players will appreciate greatly and right. <laughs> yeah. and getting the number of reps that you need well and it just seems like you know even you know, even uh marquise brown right like he's he's a guy that's always kind of hurts the wrong word but he's always seems to be like nicked up and things like that and he's in the drills but you know and or like when they're doing stuff he's in there doing the walkthroughs or or things like that you know he may not be go doing the full bore stuff yet but he's he's a part of it and it's just like it just feels like you said like it's different it's not just guys working on the side or or coming out halfway through camp a camp practice and and you know after rehabbing like it's just i don't know it just feels really different yeah it's, it's i mean and again we'll see we'll 
Yeah. Uh, for me, it's just, it feels a little more intentional. I don't know. Like, I, yeah, th- like there's, I said, we'll, we'll, uh, th- we'll there's something it. I want to talk about when we get to the Kyler Murray part, but uh, it feels incredibly in sync. Everything is in sync with what's happening. But yeah, I, I like that. Um, Michael Wilson is like, now, I've got a question for you is this. Are you worried about how Colton McCoy's looked in, in, in training camp so far? Because there's yes. been days he's looked, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't look good, man. Like, at the end of the day, it just does not look good. <sighs> he, this is the question, and, you know, we're already kind of hearing the murmurs. What Greg Rosenthal was like, there, there's a, what do you say, how do you say it? There's a non-zero chance that Clayton Toon could start game one, which means that there's a chance. And and I feel like the McCoy re-signing was, it was about like, hey, we need a veteran in here. But I don't think it was like, well, like, and, and he our... was already under contract for this year, so he was re-signed yeah. last offseason before, like, he was signed for two years, and then, you know, this was after Cliff and Kime had gotten their five-year extension, so they were counting right. on going to be there. Right, and it's just, yeah, it just feels like this is so different, and, you know, we'll see how this all works out, because they're just, it's just different this year, and it, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that he's the guy, right? Like, Honestly, I don't know, man. It's just I'm not worried because, and, and I've told this before. I, here, you know what? I absolutely do not want any part of Clayton Tune playing quarterback before Kyler Murray gets back. <laughs> no part well, of that at all. And, and honestly, I think I you know I don't care that Colt McCoy's looking bad right now. I don't. Well, I want to see think, what happens in the preseason, one. And two, whether he's good right now honestly doesn't matter because they're still all learning the offense. Well, and and two, I think the reality is we know what, and I think it's something that we've talked about a hundred times. We know what Colt McCoy is. Like, we know who Colt McCoy is. So there's really not a whole lot of questions, right? Like, you know what you're going to get out of McCoy. So that becomes a question is, is there, is, is going with the unknown of Clayton Toon a better choice than knowing what you're going to get out of Colt McCoy? Even in a different offense, it doesn't matter. Like, you're still going to get the same results. Like, he's still going to be a guy that's, you know, if he plays, let's say, four games he's going to throw three touchdowns. He's going to throw four interceptions. Like that's just, you know, he's going to be a guy that, that completes 62% of his passes and, and that can't, you know, misses some, some outside throws and makes some throws down the middle of the field where he can drive the ball still that, that you're like, Oh, he does have a good arm. You know, there's just, it's just little stuff like that. Like we know who he is. And so that's, that's what the question becomes is what, what do you want? Or are you willing to take the unknown? Because that's the thing. We know that a Colt McCoy-led team can go one in three in those four games and have a, you know, a and it's not good by any means, but, you know, a, a, a 23rd to 25th ranked offense. What we don't know is if Clayton Toon can even get to that level. <laughs> I mean, People don't realize how hard it is to play in the NFL. They're just like, and, and and to play like a Clayton cool. Tunes at quarterback against Washington in that defensive front. Well, and it's just every everybody goes. Well, look at you know they're always going to be like, well, look at the outlier, right? Like look at Brock Purdy, and you're like, yeah, look at Brock Purdy, but like Brock Purdy started playing midseason, right? That's a big and, that's a big part of it. Right, it is, and that's just kind of what it is. And you know, it's just it's just looking at all of this and seeing how it goes. And for me, I I'm comfortable either way because I know what they're gonna get in uh, Colt McCoy, and I'm fine with it. And I am, you know, 
I always embrace the chaos. And if they want to, <laughs> if they're like, if they're like, Hey, let's, uh, let's, you know, get crazy with this. You're like, all right, man, like the Cardinals are going to be the most interesting team in the league. Like they may be awful, but they're going to be interesting. Hey, I, uh, I think McCoy, even like, if it's close, I still go with McCoy personally, because I think he's got the right mentality to steer the ship for Kyler's return. While there will, like, if if Clayton Toon is even okay, there will be rumblings of, yes, he's our guy. Because fans are stupid. Like, we're, we're dumb when the thing's like, he's, he's yeah. And then we'll start talking about next year in, in training. He'd be like, it'd be like Davis Mills almost, I think. Right. And Davis Mills did, did some okay things. He's like Davis Mills or, or, or Gardner Minshew, and, and those are even guys that have established themselves as, as being able to be productive. But yeah. Anything else of note that, that you can get you kind of take away from camp so far? I. I don't. I don't know if I would say that I noticed in my one practice that I was there that you could say that there are any particular individual standouts. Michael Wilson has stood out. I know, um, and, and honestly, I like where Marco Wilson's head's at right now. Uh, yeah, I, and he's going to be a good, a uh, big one. I should say, not a good one. It's just you know. It's it's going to be interesting to see if those guys are are coached up well by Jonathan Gannon or what the plan is. Uh, but he looks, you know, so far, like you said, whether they look good or not, it's not the question, right? Um, it's how they're how they're progressing and how they're starting to fit in. And and you know, I think I feel like both him and even Christian Matthew, to an extent, have have had really positive steps so far. Yeah, yeah. Coming up next on the Rise of Sea Red Podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk in the web. Let's wrap this show up. Uh, Kyler Murray talked to the media. Let's 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 kind of dive into some of what he said. That's coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red Podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. Kyler Murray addressed the media, uh, gave a lot of the things that we already heard. Um, it was, you know, partially because there's been no games. Kyler was was a good interview. Um, he op- he was more open, but there was also no loss that he's stinging about. There was nobody asking about his video games. There was there there was one interesting question, and it was it was from Doug Franz, and 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 he he wanted to kind of clarify something, and he said he didn't want to misquote him, and he talks about being more coachable. And Kyler's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! And I said I said on the show we'll continue to be coachable, uh, <laughs> and so. That there was just there was a little bit of, of, of baiting there. Now, and it wasn't it wasn't malintended. It was trying to get that out of the way. But there were some really no one's kind of talked about it yet. And I, and I was going to write it because I was going to go back and listen to it. There were some really interesting conceptual things that that Kyler said that suggest vastly different things about two different coaching staffs over the last two years. Now, obviously the whole timetable not there. He's going to come. He's taking it one day at a time, which feels like the exact opposite of what he said in, in flight plan where the goal was obviously week one. And people took that and ran with it. Of course he wants to come back and play week one as a competitor, but he knows he's not going to come back till he's ready. Um, so, you know, he doesn't know when that is. He he doesn't know when he's going to be able to start playing football, doing football activities. He, you know, he ran into Joe Burrow. He says you can't rush it, but when you know, you you'll know. I was really intrigued though about, and, and I didn't get to ask him specifically. I wanted to, and but there was enough. I didn't get to ask it. I wanted to ask what were some different things that he wanted to kind of compare the two coaching staffs without not bashing the previous one. But there's one thing that's, that stood out is that he's really, really bought in to this coaching staff because he said, basically ever said the communication and of expectations from top to bottom is perfect. 
And so there's no question about what expectations are. If like if like when it comes to offensive concepts, like you see you see this, look, you do this, you do this, you do this. Um, and there's like a level of accountability for at every level. If you miss a block, this happens. If you know, and, and there, there is communication about what everyone's supposed to do. And it feels like that that wasn't happening with Cliff Kingsbury. Is that there was a large disconnect organizationally from top to bottom what was expected. Now, to some level, and we've said this, that Cliff was one who felt, okay, your professionals do your job or we'll replace you. Gannon is process-oriented, and he said, no, everything matters. And, and I thought about it to say something he said. like, you know, He sounds a lot like Steve Wilkes. He sounds a lot like Steve Wilkes with perhaps a little more... Buy in. I don't. I'm not sure what it is, but Steve. A Wilkes, little more well, Bruce Arians, like yeah. But 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 Wilkes well, talked up like like and players love him too. But he talked a lot, kind of the same thing. But then well, and to be fair, too, lost the buy in, right? But he's also had nothing but success outside of Arizona. So you, I mean, is it really? <laughs> is it really just? I mean, it might have been too too much too soon for Wilkes and and maybe it will be for Gannon as well or maybe it won't you know that'll be something we'll watch but yeah the process the way things are going to see Kyler's excitement level being here is a complete 180 from last year and it was just to a point where relationships sour whether they're you know in in life and in love in business whatever it is like relationships sour and i think that was something that happened in arizona um that doesn't just get discussed very much um and and we can talk about and and speculate on the root cause all day the reality is the relationship itself had soured and it just it feels like that Kyler's embracing the new relationships and and they're embracing him back and like like you wrote about you know in in June or or May or whenever or no no it, was, it had to be in April because that's right Mike Florio said it was a terrible thing for the the coach and GM not to be planning for the draft <laughs> um, when Oklahoma unveiled his his Heisman statue you know and how much that meant to Kyler and. It was a dig without being a dig at the the old regime, right? Like, because he never felt like they had his back. Like they talked a big game, but it's a different thing when you're when you're yeah. at, when you actually Steve have Prime's no longer GM, and guess what type of reports are no longer coming out of the organization, right? And Magic. so it's just, yeah, it's just you know one of those situations where I think you're seeing a guy that has matured as he needed to but also is is feeling like he's in a in a better spot with coaches who are willing to listen and have his input but also push him in ways that the other other staff didn't it almost felt like and i've watched a lot of the like 2019 to 2022 tape it almost felt like that they couldn't decide on how to move forward and so both sides were just kind of like okay we'll just do what we know works and so they kind of just (laughs) went back to you know the the basics so to speak or what you know what had worked before and that's where you know as a coach cliff needed to evolve as a player or you know, as a player, Kyler needed to be pushed to to evolve, and it didn't happen. And now you know, and and the results were the results, and now you're moving forward from there. So it'll be interesting to see if that plays on the field or if it's just you know lip service. I I've said this a few times. I don't remember if I've said it here on this show, but it's always felt like that Cliff was almost like just happy to have Kyler like he he tried like for since he was a teenager to get Kyler to be his quarterback that he was just like okay thank you Kyler for being here do do you 
And Kyler's not that t- like, Kyler wants to be coached hard. He wants to be pushed. He wants to have specific expectations for him. And, and, and Cliff was like, I'm just glad you're here. Like, you're great. Now do stuff. Do stuff. Here's this. Take it. It's yours. Gannon. Gannon is saying, this is what we want. They have a specific plan for him to be ready since he can't get physical reps. He talked about that. Kyler himself talked about how he's going through checks and calls in the mirror with himself. Like, I don't know if anyone else caught that. That's homework. (laughs) He's doing homework at home that he's doing that sort. And the things that they put in place, and these are all things that the coaches have established with him, and they've made it very clear what they want out of him. And so this is the plan. Let's do this. The fact that they are pushing him is exactly what he's needed. Like, Cliff wasn't very good about holding people accountable. Like he was, he would call players out. That was never kind of his thing. No, his and coaching the- staff, and that that was too. A, that was a, ended up being a problem because they weren't winning. When you have a veteran, like, and you want the veterans to do it, but your coach has to establish that culture. And Gannon, Gannon does that. And so, like, a guy misses a block, okay, he's going to get called out. Bruce Aarons was really good about that. He had the account, accountability board. It was like everybody's mental mistakes and blown assignments was on display for everyone to see. Not to shame them, but just to create a level of accountability to say, hey, your mistakes matter to everyone on a team. And I, I just love kind of how they're setting things up. I don't know. I hope it's successful, and I, I hope it doesn't go as badly because the way this is set up feels like if they get just a little bit of success, this is exactly what you need to build long-term success. Yeah, and it was one of those things, too, that one of the biggest faults of Cliff Kingsbury is always going to be, and you said it, it's that he values relationships too much it's funny and and i know steve wilkes was in the middle but it's funny that they went from a coach who basically utilized 75 percent of the uh the team as or looked viewed them as you know replaceable commodities to a guy in cliff who didn't know how to separate his is affinity for the players to be able to coach them up or, you know, or, you know, put them in a position of, of having to be pushed and things like that. And it's, it's just really interesting because it feels like Gannon. And again, this is based purely on two weeks of training camp. (laughs) (laughs) It, It feels like Gannon has that ability to find that sweet spot to to be a guy who you know straddles that line a little bit better and for a team that just desperately needs that you know they need they need their their best players to feel emboldened to hold each other accountable and not feel like it's just a a free for all which is kind of what it felt like under cliff and and it's not you know taking shots at cliff or anything like that like i said it was it was the best thing about him in 19 and 20 and it was the right coach at the right time but it ultimately what led to his downfall because unless it's unless you're winning having that mentality or treating players in that manner is is not the best thing right like you have to you have to be able to reel it back in and hold them accountable and once the you know toothpaste was out of the tube so to speak it was it was too late right yeah it's just so interesting kind of the how kyler's talking the way he he is it feels like he's taking another step forward but at the same time he doesn't know when he's going to be back uh, i I know. I, I've been saying week one's not going to happen. I'm just really interested to see, is he going to come off PUP before or if they're going to keep him on, had him be out for four weeks, then get him practicing and they'd come back. You know, and I've predicted a week six return. It, that, that would 
that kind of feels kind of like the sweet spot right now based on based on current progress and, and you know everything that he's doing but he's taking it one day at a time uh, he he opened up about you know, like some of the things like the first time like he had to have a trainer bend his knee for him because he, he he couldn't do it like there's and, and I can tell you that's a real thing like oh, you're like sure. that's as far as like I, you, I mean somebody that's blown out their knee and had done the rehab now mind you the rehab the surgery the rehab all of that's much better than I did it when I did it 20 years ago but <laughs> um, you know the the fact that you literally have somebody come over and they and and you're like this is as far as I can bend my knee and they're like no it's not here and then they push it and you're like what are you doing it's going to snap in half and then you're like oh it can't go further <laughs> and and you know it's just one of those things that you're not you're just not used to and so yeah it's just it's going to be interesting to see how he comes along and 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 what he looks like and where he's at. But, you know, again, from everything we've heard, it's been incredibly positive. Yeah. So it's, it's, it continues to be, I, I can't wait till it gets back. Um, yeah. Whenever that is, whenever that is. All right, let's, let's wrap this up. This edition of the rise of here at podcast, special of Cardinals talk on the web is episode 448. That's Seth Cox. I'm just root. Maybe we'll have another one. We got to get back in the groove of, of, doing these whether it's just me whether it's seth whether it's bringing something else i'm going to try and get uh well probably i can probably record a show on thursday whether we can get seth because one one thing we haven't done we haven't done our 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 divisional ranking show this year yet so we need to do that at some point so <laughs> so we'll figure that out that's seth cox i'm jess root this is the rise of Series podcast thanks for listening as always Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise Up Red Sea, Be Red Sea Red, and of course, Rise Up Sea Red.